Good morning, church. I come before you once again, humbled to be able to share God's truth with you this morning. I also do come before you this morning with somewhat of a a heavy heart. It has been a very crazy week with a lot of tumultuous things that have gone on within our country in the past seven days. And I think it is safe to say that our, our country today is in turmoil. Uh, Like I said, a lot has gone on this week. The incident with George Floyd and uh, the police officers in Minneapolis. And I do encourage us to uh, keep his family in prayer and other families that have been affected by uh, the misuse of of power and authority in our country. But I also would encourage us to pray for all the police forces within the United States of America. I do believe there are very good police officers. Not uh, there's there's not all bad anything, but you know we need to come together as a culture and understand what's really going on. Uh, this week we also had. Uh, one of the the greatest Christian apologists of our time uh, pass on to be with the Lord. Ravi Zacharias passed away Tuesday, sometime Tuesday, I believe. Uh, we also are still all dealing with the effects of COVID-19. And kind of when you couple all these things together in this melting pot of, of emotion, um, there are many hurt people in this country there are many scared people. There are many angry people within the United States of America and a lot of people feeling a sense of injustice or no justice. And as I've wrestled with my own emotions in all this in the week and kind of analyzed what was going on and the different facets of life and how, you know, from religion to sociological, uh, economical things going on, it just led me to believe more so than ever, all the more reason for people to repent and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You see, because in this fallen world, horrible things are going to continue to happen. They're not just going to go away. That's not how the nature of sin works. That's not how the nature of uh, opposing God works. Because of sin, because we live in a fallen world, horrible, detestable things take place in and out of every day. And Jesus Christ is the only answer. Even with uh, these protests, with the best of intentions, some had to truly voice their their uh, their voice and have the freedom to do that because we live in a in a culture and a society where you do have freedom of speech, even with the best of intentions to be peaceful. Somehow, these protests ended in senseless violence and looting. But it's true, again, that people are hurting. And as the saying goes, hurt people hurt people. May we as the church continue to intercede for those who are lost without hope and who are hurting, that they would have their hearts turned back to the true and living God, the only one who could put an end to all of this senseless violence and and worrisome behavior. Amen. 
Well, uh, this morning we will continue on in Acts chapter 14, and we will be reading through verses 19 through 23. So without further ado, let me go ahead and just pray over the message, and we will read our text this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you once again for the opportunity to quiet our hearts before you. Help us to simply be still and know that you are God. Help us to look for you in all things, that we would open up your word and we would see how your truth permeates your word. It's nothing but truth and how we need it to be applied to our lives this morning. May you please speak to our hearts, Lord. Help us to understand your truth. Give us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to rightfully divide your word. May you give us wisdom, vision, direction, and strength in how we are to apply your word to our lives today. Uh, Father, we pray for just the unction of the Holy Spirit to continue to guide us in all things. Father, we thank you and love you. It's in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, I will begin in verse 19. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. I just think that this this portion of scripture is so fitting for just where we are as a country, where we are as a world and the things that are going on. And I've entitled this message, Tribulations and Blessings. The saga continues. Today we are one moment removed from witnessing a great miracle. Last week, a crippled man who had never used his limbs at all was healed and exhibited extraordinary faith. While Paul and Barnabas modeled what it was to serve Jesus Christ and remain humble, all this was going on. Now we see that the opposition responded to the mighty works done through God's apostles and how they responded in such a hateful and violent manner. The main points that we will focus on this morning are these. The first one is this, trials and storms are a very natural part of the Christian life. And I know that's not a popular thing to say, but it is biblical and it is so true and it is something that you cannot sidestep if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ. Because if we were in control, we would only have great times. It would only be parties and banquets and and celebrations and victories. We would have no sorrow. We would have no pain. We would have no discomfort. We would always be on the mountaintop. We would never be in the valley. We naturally try to avoid hard times, and rightfully so. I mean, who wants to go through pain? Who wants to hurt? 
Nobody does. You you think of exercising and, and people that are trying to, to get fit, whether it's lose weight or put on muscle, and it's it comes at a cost. The cost is you're going to go through physical and mental exhaustion in order to reach your goal. And the same thing uh, is laid out for us in our spiritual lives. But the reality is there are some lessons that can only be learned through the tribulations of this life. I mean, ask yourself this question. How can your faith honestly grow if it's never tested or tried? All true Christians will be stretched like a rubber band to their breaking point in their walk with the Lord. But that's the whole idea behind resiliency is to be stretched to the point of breaking, but not breaking beyond recovery. And that's what the Lord allows to go on in our lives. That's the first main point. The second main point this morning is, despite all of Satan's attempts, God Almighty is still in control. I am so encouraged by that. I am so encouraged by that because it can be so depressing and downright discouraging when you see your circumstances and you wonder, where is God in the midst of all that? But despite all of Satan's attempts, God Almighty is still in control. You see, even though Paul was stoned and he was left for dead, the Lord's timing and purpose for Paul's life prevailed, not the events themselves, not the the event of, of stoning. That did not take precedent and run the show. That was just something that the Lord had to walk Paul through in order for the Lord's purpose to be done in Paul's life. All the things that occur in our lives have to pass through the hand of God before they are carried out. Not that we can handle all that the Lord allows into our lives, but these events should push us to the Lord, towards Him, seeking Him through our circumstances. The difficulties of life should really drive us to our knees to cry out to the Lord, to ask Him to intervene, to ask Him to carry us through the difficulties that we face. And that's the second main point. The third main point this morning is, despite hardships, your faith and others' faith will grow if you continue to hold on to Jesus Christ. Our faith in Christ is the one thing that sustains us in not only bad times, but in good times too. In times of plentiful, in times of mountaintop experiences, when we have an over and abundance of things, resources, it is our faith in Christ that keeps us grounded to where we don't worship these things and we begin to love money or love material items. In the same way, it is our faith through the difficult times of life that sustain us and hold us and keep us from giving up or throwing in the towel and trusting that the Lord is going to come through for us even though we can't see it in the moment. You and I must remain rooted in Jesus Christ. He is the only true foundation. He is the only true cornerstone to build your life upon. And if you build your life upon anything else other than the blood of Jesus Christ, you will be sorely uh, let down when you come to understand how things are crumbling around you and you have no foundation to stand upon. The church has always exploded in growth during times of persecution, and that is still true today as we see in many other parts of the world and even in some places here within our own country. It is when Satan can't get true believers to renounce Jesus Christ that other others witness this 
and they witness the unwavering faith of these certain believers or of us as believers in Christ, and they begin to trust in the Lord as well, seeing the example through us of an unwavering faith, the fact that we would trust Jesus Christ unto death that gives people hope because you wouldn't just die for something you don't truly believe in. All right, let's go ahead and look at verses 19 and 20. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. We see here that these who oppose the message of Paul and what Paul presented, they weren't content with just throwing him out of the region. They had already done that. They had already said, you need to go. They pushed him out. The angry mob literally got rid of him. They didn't want to just do that. They wanted to inflict harm upon him as well. Physically, they wanted him dead. Their opposition and hate ran so deep for the message of Jesus Christ and for his messengers that they not only used persuasion to anger the mob of people, but they also convinced this mob of people to help in the stoning of Paul. Here again, we see the importance of knowing and being rooted in your beliefs because those who were on the fence about who Jesus Christ was. They they weren't, you know, they weren't sure. They didn't want to totally disagree with Jesus, but they didn't want to be fully committed as well. They were on the fence. You could call them today, you know, Christians that just sit in pews and that's all they do is come on Sundays. They're they're not really, you know, out of the church, but they're not really totally involved in the church either. They just come for spectatorship. They're on the fence. Those who were on the fence with who Jesus Christ was in this context, they were persuaded to join the crowd against him. The application for us is this. If you don't stand for Jesus Christ today, you are in a position to be persuaded to stand against him. You see, smooth speech and preying on people's pain and hurts and weaknesses, these are all tactics used by the enemy to get others to join Satan's movement. An example, just simply what's gone on this week with all the the, the, the protesting that, that turned violent this week. And again, like I alluded to in the beginning of this message, we as American citizens all have the right to express our displeasure with actions taken against others. But we need to be led by the Holy Spirit in how we do this because Again, it comes to the point where the protests, we begin to start destroying our own communities. And even if we don't live in those communities, we're destroying other people's property because of injustice. And again, this is why I said being led by the Holy Spirit, because yes, rightfully so, uh, an innocent man that wasn't proven guilty, didn't have a chance to, to be proven guilty, but was uh, was killed uh 
When you're running just off emotions, yes, you're angry. Yes, you're upset. And when you run off your emotions, what do you do? Something bad happens, so it's an eye for an eye. You want to go and strangle out the next person. You want to go break things. But, you know, that's not being led by the Holy Spirit. That's being led by your emotions. And what we see going on is because of injustice and because of ultimately things not being brought to the Lord in prayer, we're just acting on emotion, the cycle whether it is of abuse of power or the cycle of reacting to injustice, uh, it just continues to manifest itself. Sin and death just continue. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the hearts of people who are hurting, who are broken, who are mad, who are frustrated, who are lost, who are looking for hope, because we can continue to protest. And I can guarantee you the protesting is not going to solve anything. But the only one who can solve all of this for good is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Next, we see this mob was so sure that they had killed Paul that the text says they literally dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. Now, this is a crazy thing to think of. But as I was studying this week, I believe the Lord showed me why this could be understandable, why they would have thought this would have happened. If you have any understanding of of how people were stoned uh, to death back in the day, this was a very messy, gory way to kill someone. I mean, it wasn't like a swift bullet to your head where just a little trickle of blood's coming out and and you're gone. If it was, you know, a nice sharp bullet and you, you got it, you know, you got the target right. I mean, this is just, you know, literally boulders falling upon someone or, you know, rocks again, stones being flung, breaking bone, cracking skulls. I mean, it's, it was pretty gory. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, you know, uh, bad how, you know, people were killed in this manner. So, you think that you get that image in your mind and and no doubt Paul would have been extremely bloody and more than likely unconscious. I I know that the text doesn't say that and I'm not trying to rewrite the scripture. I'm just simply sharing what I believe the Lord showed me. This is what led these people to drag him out of the city thinking he was dead. You see, these people desired for Paul to die and they actually did everything in their power to make this happen. They they weren't just angry, but they acted upon their anger. They acted upon their aggression and they inflicted physical violent harm upon an individual. Granted, this was a horrible situation. No one wants to be stoned and look like they're being stoned to death. No one wants to have to go through that situation. But The silver lining through all of this was despite Satan's attempt at killing Paul, God was still in full control. The application is this. When you reflect upon your own life, you must remember everything you experience has to pass through God's hands first. So that means all of the trials All of the tribulations, all of the hardships, all of the difficulties you face, the good Lord allows these things to happen. But why? But why someone would question, what is the purpose of a good God allowing me to go through so much pain and hardship? Well, the first explanation for this is simply Because we live in a fallen, sinful world. 
Now, some people will say, well, that's just cynical. Why are you going to say that? You know, I see Disneyland. I see I see roses. I see pretty things. You're saying that that, you know, we live in a fallen world. Well, yeah, all those pretty roses, they eventually die. And why do they die? Because of sin. They were never supposed to die, but they die. You know, that bouquet of flowers you gave to your mother on Mother's Day, they're probably dead now. That's just the reality of what's going on. And that's because of sin. It's not cynical. It's biblical. That's the viewpoint you have to understand. Because of the fall of man, we have all been placed under the curse of sin. Whether we want to acknowledge that, admit that, recognize that or not, it still holds true. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cure us from this curse. That is the first reason why, you know, these difficult things come into our lives. It's because of fallen, the fallen nature of man. The other reason why the Lord allows bad things, excuse me, bad things to happen to his children is the refiner's fire. The refiner's fire. The only way when you are dealing with raw gold, that precious metal, the only way to get the sludge and all of the impurities out of that raw gold metal is to put it through the fire. And at that intense degree of heat in the fire, the impurities eventually will burn away. And when the person handling that metal, when they pull out the gold, they're left with pure gold. The same can be said for us in this life, in our spiritual lives, as we are put through the fire and the furnace of this life, when we emerge from the fire of trials, we reflect more and more the character of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Lord is after. He wants us to be renewed. He wants us to be remolded and reshaped and conformed into the moral image of his son, Jesus Christ. And and Many times that only happens when you go through tribulations in this life. Being that we're, we're born sinners, how in the world can we be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, who is holy and perfect, unless we go through difficult times where we can be molded and shaped and conformed into the image of His Son, who is perfection? There is no other way. So... Next time you go through a trial, next time I go through a trial, let us remember the reason why we are being allowed to go through the trial. Amen. Next, we see when the disciples gathered around Paul, he rose up and entered the city. The next day, he went with Barnabas to Derby. The Lord, again, was not done with Paul yet, despite the enemy's attack upon him. For you today... I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your circumstance is. I haven't seen people's faces except via Zoom in over two months. So I don't know what you're necessarily going through. You may feel the pain, the disappointments, the anger, the frustration, the hurts of hard times. But if you have breath in your lungs and you woke up from your sleep this morning, the Lord is not done with you yet either. Remember that and trust in him. All right, let's go ahead and continue on in verses 21 and 22. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And this is 
honestly just more of the same of what we just talked about, but we'll still break it down. For every believer in Christ, this is an extremely encouraging event, an experience to help build up every believer's faith in the Lord. Because we all face different hardships in this life, and all of us are familiar with loss on some level, some more than others. And we, all, we obviously know that the, the greatest equalizer or the greatest thing you can lose is uh, you know, when a loved one or a close friend of the family or your life passes on to eternity. That is the most extreme case of loss that you and I will ever encounter in this life. So to read that after being stoned and left for dead, that the Apostle Paul didn't give up and the Lord didn't give up on him either, that the Lord still had a plan for his life and he continued on in his missionary journey from God, this is encouraging and amazing. While many may have folded and thrown in the towel from far less persecution, we see Paul emulating our greatest example, Jesus Christ. Because you see, the Lord himself was killed and upon his last moments on earth, he could have easily quit. He could have unleashed his limitless power, healed himself and come down from the cross as the Jewish leaders mocked him and said, if you are the Christ, come down from the cross. But see, he didn't because the plan of redemption didn't call for that. He hung on that cross until his very last breath to be the perfect sin sacrifice for mankind. In a similar way, Paul could have just said, I've done my part. I've paid my dues for the Lord. I've gone to these different uh, providences and I've shared the gospel. I've even been, been stoned for his name's sake. Isn't that good enough? But no, he didn't. He was called to still spread the message of the gospel. And that's exactly what he did. While in Derby, Paul preached the gospel mightily and he was used to make many more disciples. This is an incredible event because the day before he was stoned and he was left for dead. Not only was Paul miraculously healed, but he was also used to speak to many and to raise up others for Jesus Christ. It's a trip because I look at my own life and I look at some around me as well and it's like we're in perfect health. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have perfect health and we struggle just to tell one person at the grocery store or at our job or in our family about Jesus Christ. But yet Paul was stoned and left for dead and he was opening his mouth to every single person he came across to sharing the gospel. But I really believe that the key was Paul's willingness to endure whatever came his way for the Lord. He was obedient. He was obedient to what call, the call that was upon his life and he was willing to do whatever he had to do and endure whatever he had to endure for the sake of Jesus Christ. The reality was Paul and Barnabas truly did care about the people. They weren't just trying to gain converts. This is evident as the text as, as the text says, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. 
they chose to go back through those areas they had already passed through. But not only that, they strengthened those who were there and encouraged them to continue on in the faith. I mean, the reality is they could have simply just passed back through and had no concern for themselves about these people. They didn't and, and not care, but they didn't at all. They they totally cared. They desired to see these people grow and their straight and their faith be strengthened in Christ. The application for us is this. That is a shepherd's heart. That's a true shepherd's heart. To care, to have a concern for the flock. It's not a numbers game with someone who is a true shepherd and under shepherd of Jesus Christ. Everyone is equally valued. And we get this from Christ himself because that's how Jesus Christ views us. That's why he is called the good shepherd because he cares for every single one of his own. Next we see that We all need to be encouraged. We all need strengthening of our souls. We constantly need exhorting to continue on in the faith. Because the truth is, I look at this week, I look at the last two months of what just the world has been going through, what Christians have been going through in this world right now. And it's no small thing to walk with the Lord day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, trial after trial, tribulation after tribulation. It takes a strong soul and an encouraged faith to continue on and to not lose hope no matter what your circumstances look like. This is another reason why you and I are never to go about our walk with Jesus Christ alone and be a lone ranger. We need the fellowship of the saints. We need that. It's it's a very uh, important part of the Christian life. Lastly, we see that these disciples, they didn't candy coat anything. They were honest about what the Christian life looked like. I mean, put it bluntly, they kept it super real. I mean, the statement says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Like many things in life, there are no shortcuts in the Christian faith. There is no easy way out. Every believer in Christ will face hard, difficult times in this life. A long time ago, I used to think, God would never give me more than I can handle. Have you heard that before? People would say that to you in Christian circles. Oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, you know what? I personally believe that that is not true. I believe that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because the reality of what I've learned is that he more times than not will give me far more than I can handle So these unbearable things will ultimately drive me to my knees to depend upon him, the only one who can handle these things. If he gave me things that I could handle, why would I call upon him? I wouldn't call upon him because I'd have no need to. I'd be like, well, I got this. My intellect got it or my bank accounts got it or my good looks and my charm has it. And, you know, obviously none of those things are true. And so I need Christ in every situation because I can't handle it. All right, let's look at the last verse, verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord 
in whom they had believed. Lastly, here we see again the heart, the hearts of Paul and Barnabas. Their desire was to see people thrive in Jesus Christ, not just become churchgoers, not just become people that came to the to the to the church building and sat and heard a message and left unchanged and didn't act upon what they were taught and just live the same life the same tired life that had no power, that had no effect on their own personal lives or anyone else's. No, they, they, they desire to see people thrive in Christ and be truly transformed into a new creation is what Christ says will become of us if we truly submit and seek him. Here we also see another example of how the church should be structured. Because we serve a God of order, not dysfunction. So there is an order of how the church should be operated. It's not just one person held accountable by nobody and then, you know, that's it. Whatever he says goes and you just got to believe that this man is hearing from the Lord. No, there was a structure in place. There was a structure in place. With Paul and Barnabas heading off to new places to share the gospel, how would these other newly established churches mature and thrive without God-appointed leaders to grow and help feed and encourage other believers? Well, it wouldn't happen. And so that's why you have the structure of the church the way it is and why you have elders in place to help with that process. The application for us is this. We know that it is the Holy Spirit who enables believers to mature in their faith. He also helps those put in positions of authority to be led in a godly manner, to not abuse their authority or the influence that's been given to them, but to administer it in an honest, humble way to help truly allow the church to grow and flourish the way it's supposed to. We are next reminded of the importance of prayer and fasting. We can never forget that prayer is so important when we are making critical decisions in life or we have fallen on hard times. The first thing we should do, or even when we've been blessed with some kind of miraculous gift that was given to us, the first thing we should do is pray. With all that's going on in the world today, every Christian needs to be crying out to the Lord that Jesus Christ would intervene and save souls. That is honestly the starting point for believers. And one of the most effective things that we can do is simply pray and fast seeking the Lord. You see, this is the reason why. Because every action that we will take to help others those actions will actually be revealed to us through prayer. If we just go off half-cocked with our own logic and our own intellect, diving into some endeavor, it won't be nearly as effective as if we prayed and fasted asking the Lord for wisdom, vision, guidance, and direction. Communication with the Lord through prayer and fasting is essential in our relationship with God. And today, we should find ourselves on our knees, more times than not, lifting up and interceding for those in need in our country, in our world. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for just these uh, basic reminders that as Christians in this world, 
we are going to face many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God, enter your kingdom. And and help us to take heart in that. Help us to take heart in the fact that our chief officer in command, our, our Savior and our Lord has gone through the most difficult thing in the world to be pierced on that cross to die for the sins of the world. And though he died a physical death, he came out victorious. Help us to anchor our hope in the fact that Jesus Christ has conquered sin and conquered death so that when we go through the trials of life, when we go through the flood waters, when we go through the fiery furnace, Lord, that we're going to come out. Maybe we'll be scathed, but you know what? You're not going to allow our soul to be taken. And so, Father, help us to derive our encouragement and our hope from the fact that Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. Father, I pray that you would strengthen our faith, that you would give us a desire and a burden for those around us, for our communities, for our our state, for our country, for the world at large, for those that are in poverty being affected by the COVID-19 virus, for those that are are frustrated and angered by uh, the abuse of power going on in certain sectors of our, our country. Lord, I pray that you would intervene. I pray that you would convict hearts. I pray that people would turn from their anger, their hurt, and their rage, and their displeasure, and their their, dis- their disappointment, and that they would seek your face, that they would look to Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, we're all tired. We're all exhausted. We've expent our emotions. We've expent physical, mental energy And really, we have nothing to show for it if we don't fall at the knees, if we don't fall, um, bow our knees at the feet of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I just pray for a supernatural occurrence to happen, that you would just change hearts, Lord, that you would show people that the only way that their hurt and their pain can be conquered once and for all, and they could relinquish the, 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 the hardness of their heart because of wrong done to them as if they truly seek your son, Jesus Christ, and allow him to heal them. So, Father, please, Lord, may you intervene according to your will. May you help us that our followers of Jesus Christ remain focused on the mission at hand, that we would remain fixed on Christ and not our circumstances, and that we would not allow these things that are going on all around us and all this chaos to break us, Lord. May we continue on and be steadfast in our purpose to honor you with our lives. Father, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.